The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, here's the deal. I'm not sure what's going on. There we go. I didn't have my level up. Sorry about that. So here's the deal, uh, Kelsey Campbell. Yes. Close. Andrew Gross. Uh, whatever. That's fine. Okay. Um, you know the deal, actually, because you're familiar with the 630 Jet Afternoon News. We always have a plan, and then we sort of let the plan move if the demand is there. So we've talked the better part of an hour about wedding mishaps. We do have other topics that we want to get to, but we're still getting texts. So I don't want any text to be ignored. And and I apologize, by the way, if you've texted and we haven't read your text, but we're literally getting so many. It's unbelievable. People are really embracing this topic. Did you have another one you wanted to point out? Yeah, we had this text in 630-630 saying, I was at a wedding uh, and the bride and groom were so young, 19 and 18. Their best man was probably no older than 18. Honest to God, he was almost in tears that he wouldn't be able to play video games as much with the groom <laughs> now that the bride was on the scene. And that he'd hoped that the bride would still be able to fit into her wedding dress 20 years from now. Wow. That's, Dear God. That sounds like something a 19-year-old might say. <laughs> that's, as I say, it's the highlight. Um, while still on the topic of marriage, and before we move to the next topic, which I actually thought we were going to talk about in the last hour, um, there's this story uh, about Gertrude. Gertrude uh, Mokotov. Um, and Alvin Mann. They're both from Middleton, New York. And we they... can just say Gertie and Alvin. Okay, you know what? You're right. It's endearing. Gertie and Alvin just got married in New York. They met at the gym, uh, which, you know, I guess these days, I always wonder if I had to get married again, and I hope I don't, obviously, uh, where I would meet the next Mrs. Gross, because I don't, as I say, I don't go anywhere. That I mean... I don't go to bars and, you know, so it's it's difficult. So the gym seems like a good place, right? And what makes this unusual um, is that Gertie is 98 years old and um, Alvin is 94. And they met just some years back. Gertie was only 90 at the time. Alvin was 86. They were both working out at the same gym and a friend introduced them. They're both widowed from previous marriages, so they started dating. What I find funny about this, and this is great, there's, it's never too late to, to find love and get married, and it's great to share your life with somebody. I what love I, that he's been teased for, for chasing after a cougar. They're calling her a cougar <laughs> at 98. Are. That and the fact that it took a while for him to actually <laughs> agree to the marriage. He's, what, he's 94, so it took four years? No, it took eight years. He was 86 when they met. It took eight years for Gertie to nail down Alvin into a marriage. Now, did he propose? No. She's, <laughs> she said she not. decided to buck the tradition. <laughs> I asked him to marry me. I was tired of chasing after him. <laughs> Do you know, there's 86-year-old Alvin. And, you know, he's got to have felt the pressure to get, to get that proposal out there. But if he has friends left. He was, I don't want to be rushed into anything. Let's not make any snap. You're 86, buddy. But it's almost like you revert back. I have a, a couple buddies 
that are single, and the reason they're staying single is because their friends are single, and so they want to batch it up, and then once one of them starts dating, then they're like, oh, I need to get myself a woman, Um, and I think that's kind of the young, the the early 20s, early 30s mindset, if you have a group of guys that are single, Mm -hmm. that that pack mentality, and I think you get to a certain age where... I I love your views on men, by the way, the the expertise with which you speak. Oh, no, I'm talking about my personal friends, not men in general. All right. I can tell you I have six guys friends, all very good looking. Yeah. Well, because oh, you're a wow. part of, of the attack mob. You're a troll, <laughs> and I have to look at you. But I right. think you get to a point where you know you start losing spouses to to different things later on in life. And now he's probably with his Maids buddy, of honor. his buddies at at coffee at Tim Hortons in the morning, and they're like, "Nope, don't let her tie you down." <laughs> you know, I can actually see that now that you mentioned. It. I can totally look see at that. the life we have. We can go lawn bowling. Right. No nagging. Nap. Yeah, we can nap. do some more lawn bowling. <laughs> <laughs> nap. I mean, there's a lot on our agenda on yes. any given day. I don't know if they're hitting the gym. That is one thing. I, I, yeah. I was speaking with uh, the seniors minister yesterday, Lori Sigurdsson, and then this woman who works at a senior center. And she said, there's this misconception that senior centers are for old people. Mm. And when you turn... Six, I actually qualify to go to a senior yeah, center. Yeah, when you yeah. turn 55 or when you or even up to 65, a lot of people don't want to go because they think it's like a, a bunch of geriatrics in wheelchairs mm-hmm. sitting around having tea. And she said, come to a senior center and get your butt whooped by a 91-year-old tennis player because these guys, they can play tennis, badminton, and and that's the thing. You see lives extended because of a healthy lifestyle later Absolutely. on. My nana is 78 years old. She goes to the YMCA uh, four times a week, and she has a fit-for-life class that uh, she's met so many more friends. She's so much more active. She's now in better shape than me. Hmm. It's fabulous. My mother's 92 and does nothing. <laughs> she literally never just leaves the apartment. Drop that fact there. Okay. It's just weird because I'll phone her. She screens her calls. That's the one activity that she still embraces. She screens her calls, but she has no way to screen them. Like she doesn't have call display. So you phone and it goes to messaging, which, by the way, for 20 years after my dad's death, the message said, We're not home when there is no we're. But you know, you leave a message, you, you record a message and forget what it says. Um, but then you leave a message and she phones back right away. But my mom still will not just be honest and, and say, well, I'm screening my calls because she doesn't have a cell phone or anything. She has a home phone. So I'm sure she gets lots of, you know, robot, whatever they call them, robo calls and that kind of thing and telemarketers. So she just, you know, she'll phone you back right away, but she's always got to come up with a reason why she didn't answer the call. And I don't know at what point you're just honest and say, I scream my calls. But she'll phone back and say, sorry, I was just out skiing. Or, you know, some, you're like, mom, you never leave the apartment. They, you know, it's a two-bedroom apartment. The phone's right there. She, in fact, has a phone in every room, so she doesn't have to run to get the phone. So the phone's within 10 feet of her at all times. But, uh, yeah. See, this is called senior isolation. Is it? And, and we need to get her out. It's, it's the leading cause of loneliness and loneliness leads to depression and that's in a lot of seniors battle with that because oftentimes you get to the certain point where you've spent 25 35 years with your spouse and now they're gone uh you're you've lost connection with a lot of friends they're they're off living elsewhere with with their children or whatever it may be and then you start feeling isolated and then you feel like you can't break in 
to a new group. And that's I, the only reason I'm talking with any sort of knowledge is mm-hmm. because I just had this conversation yesterday. Oh, it's interesting because my mom looks forward to going downstairs in the apartment. Now, people visit her. Like, I've got two brothers that live there, uh, an ex-sister-in-law who visits. They're still quite close. Um Lots of family. I think somebody goes to her apartment every day. Plus, she has whatever they have in Ontario where you have a a, a health provider who um, shows up, I think, twice a week or something like that. And so, But she schedules her time around those. Like, she really looks forward to those things. The visits, um, the health provider. She, she enjoys going downstairs to check her mail, which she does at a certain time because that's what most people do. And it's it's a senior's building, so she'll go down to the lobby and then she'll interact with everybody in the lobby. But she swears she has no interest in having anyone else over or going to play bridge or she doesn't want to do any of those, those activities that are available to her. And everyone's encouraged her. I, I've encouraged her to get a computer. And I've even told her that I will fly to Ottawa and set up the computer for her and put five or six email addresses in there and, and that she can communicate with all of us every day. And she has no interest in that. Well, that can be very intimidating. I suppose. I think if you just went to her house and set up a computer... And, and she lives in Ottawa. Yeah. Okay. You think I should just go to Ottawa you should go visit on my next mom. trip to Ottawa? You should probably visit your mom. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm suggesting. Well, this, uh, this half hour of the 6.30 Chet <laughs> Afternoon News is brought to you by Guilt. Pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip. <laughs> uh, I have no vacation time left. Uh, Here's where I wanted to go next. And by the way, congratulations again to Gertie and Alvin. I hope you have a long and happy life together. Um, Worst things... Now, there's a thread. Are you familiar with this website? Now I'm going to try and talk like my mom. Are you familiar with this thing on the interweb called Reddit? Yes. Okay. So Reddit's an interesting place, especially in the summer when there isn't much going on in the news, uh, to go find topics. And every now and then you find one that's just absolutely taken off. And this one has really taken off on Reddit. Last time I checked, it had hundreds of responses. And I suspect it's now in the thousands. But the question posed, and if you're not familiar with Reddit, basically it's just threads. Like somebody just poses a question or makes a comment and then others comment on it. But it has oftentimes a friendlier tone to it than a lot of social media. I know it does sometimes get out of hand, but generally speaking, people just interact on on Reddit. So the question was, the worst thing you've ever done during a job interview, and bosses started sharing some of their... Yeah, it was asking employers. Yes, exactly. Specifically, people who you've interviewed. And among... I've, I've picked five of them. Um, one was an interviewee who showed up 10 minutes late, told them that their clock was wrong, that he was on time, took it off the wall and adjusted the clock by 10 minutes. That's fabulous. That's Well, you know, the guy's a leader. Um, there was a boss who wrote, I asked, how would you handle a conflict with another co-worker? And he told me how at his last job, his girlfriend got pregnant by another co-worker and he never fought the guy at work. How responsible. Yeah, he waited till they were off the clock. So, yeah, put a star by that guy. Uh, A 20-something woman with a good resume showed up with her mom and actually expected her mom to come into the interview. You have no idea how often that is happening now, today. You can't be serious. I it wasn't for a job, but I when I was oh, no. ru- when I was running you brought your a, mom. a club volleyball team. It was fr- the first round of tryouts. There was five different tryouts, and every single player had to fill out their name, their healthcare number. You know the the typical registration form, just so that we had everything covered. And I had this mom come and say, "I'd I'd like it." I'm like, "Oh, it's uh, you, 17." She's like, "I'm filling it out for my daughter." 
And I'm like, well, she has to be here for the tryout. She's like, yeah, I have her seated over there. So Ooh. she took the form, filled it out for her, put her own name on this mm. form and hand it to me. And I just said, sorry, is your daughter illiterate? <laughs> oh, wow. You went right for it. Well, eh? she's 17 years old. I think she's more than capable of filling out her own form with her own name. Now, when tryouts began and somebody spiked the ball, did mom go diving across the floor? <laughs> I got this for you. <laughs> I got it. Just stay there. <laughs> She's got delicate bones. <laughs> and I thought I helicopter parented. Okay. Uh, a woman talked about her breasts, uh, her ex stalking, her ex stalking her, and how she always carries a gun and that she had one with her then. And then she gave a long graphic description of how her last job at Burger King once required her to clean up uh, poo with pennies in it. <laughs> Always good to have a little story, I think. Yeah, paints the picture. And the last one that I pulled out of this, although it's well worth reading, um, a guy who said I work for Nike and a candidate came in wearing Adidas. So, you know, again, just not thinking it through. And I did interview a guy down in Calgary uh, when I used to run a... I was a GM for a trucking company down there. And one of the reasons that I actually picked him for the interview was because of his special interests. And basically everyone had relatively the same qualifications because when you put the ad in the paper, uh, I guess nowadays online, you say this is what I'm looking for. So you tend to get candidates who meet that criteria and others don't bother, right? So I'm looking at a lot of similar resumes, um, but this guy under special interest said that he liked to coach uh, Bantam football. Well, I was a coach in the Band of Football League in Calgary, so I thought, oh, I would love to help another coach, and it would be great, honestly, to have another coach working um, in my office because we could sort of, you know, swap ideas when we had a moment. So I brought him in, and we didn't, I didn't mention Band of Football at all. I went through all his other um, criteria, his other credits, whatever you call it. Um, and then near the end of the interview, I said, I noticed that you like to coach Bantam football. And he goes, I sure do. And I says, that's something you still do. And he goes, yeah, every, uh, every night, I, uh, you know, it's all about the kids. He goes, I hope that's not going to be a problem. Like, I mean, I can stay late if I have to, uh, but, you know, practice is at six. And I was like, yeah, no, it's not going to be a problem at all. I go, what team do you coach? He said, I, I coach the Broncos. And I said, the Broncos. And he goes, yeah. I go, the team in the Northeast. And he goes, yeah. And I go, and you currently coach the Broncos? And he goes, yeah. And I go, how long have you done that? And he goes, oh, about five years now. I went, oh, well, I've been the head coach of the Broncos for the last six. And I don't recall ever seeing you at practice. And he just, just. How do you backpedal you can't, that one? You can't. He was just like, okay, I lied. He just picked up his stuff, walked out. He just thought it would be a good credit. It looked good. Yeah, like he had a nephew that played and. He, he, what are the odds you would check that? I'm going to pull something from Friends. This makes me think of why you should never lie on your resume. And Joey in Friends, he, w he was an actor, always looking for uh -huh. acting gigs. He said that he could speak fluent French. <laughs> and then he got a role in a French movie. <laughs> and it is amazing. You know, that's a conversation we should have. With Morley Scott, because I think Friends was his favorite show. It's my favorite show. Oh, good for you. All right, well, it seems pretty simple. Your first line is, my name is Claude. So, just repeat after me. Je m'appelle Claude. Je de coupe plow. <laughs> well, let's just, let's try it again. Okay. Je m'appelle Claude. Je de plie bleu. Huh. It's not quite what I'm saying. Really? Sounds exactly the same to me. It does? Really? Yeah. 
All right, well, let's just try it again. Okay. Really listen. Got it. Okay. Je m'appelle Claude. Je te floup flee. Oh, mon Dieu. Oh, de fouf. So that That's was very funny. That was Phoebe, who mm-hmm. can speak French, trying to teach Joey, who said on a resume that he could speak French, <laughs> and got a role as a leading French guy in a French movie. Nice. It's, it just makes me think about why you should never lie on your resume, and yet you hear all the time that people just, it, it's not necessarily as gigantic as that, so mm-hmm. you can speak another language, and then you have to do that full time, but it's little things like... Yeah, saying you're a coach of something and your hobbies, saying you volunteer regularly with a certain right. homeless organization, and they're like, oh, well, I'm the chair of that, right. that board. Or I sit on a board, and yeah, but and I'm like, on that board. Yeah. It is funny. I know that people, when they're doing a resume for the first time, specifically, or they're doing it for the first time in a long time, they sometimes look and think, well, I need to beef it up a little bit. But I know as somebody who used to hire people all the time, that I don't care how long your resume is. I really want to know your education work experience, and I don't need to know about your first job at McDonald's or anything like that. I just need to know for the last five or five or six years, what have you been doing and what what are you going to bring to the table? Uh, Now, I know I haven't done a resume in years because I haven't needed to do one. I don't know what... My resume would make no sense now if I tried to... To, to put one together. I have I had an education, then I went to work, and then it took 25 years off to tell jokes. I mean, I guess seven years ago I started at Ched, so maybe if I only went You're back... You're forgetting that key part. Yeah, I guess so. I was going to say that um, being able to think fast on your feet is important. My dad told me he hired a lot of people, and he hired... He was uh, high up. He was a deputy minister in uh, federal government and in provincial government, several of them. And he hired top-notch executives all the time. And his tip for me when hiring was, have the individual's resume in front of you so that he sees that you're looking at his resume, but then never refer to the resume. Read it yourself, be totally comfortable with it, and then say something like, I've read your resume, tell me what's not in here. And see what the guy says. And it'll it'll prove two things. One is um, how fast he thinks on his feet, but... The second answer he gives you, so the first one might be, well, it's not on my resume, but I do a lot of volunteer work, then say nothing. Just keep staring at him. And the second thing he says will be the thing he was trying to hide from you, because guilt will get to him that you've determined there's some skeleton in a closet somewhere. Or or not even. I I don't know that that's, I don't know that it's guilt. Well, no. Uh, If you're looking to take the next step, if you're looking to move into management after you've been lower level. I, I I would suggest that where I find the most common advice in articles, they pop up all the time, um, best interview techniques, what questions to prepare for, um, what answers not to give because they always hear the same thing. I have a great work ethic. I am mm-hmm. I have leadership quality. I work good under I deadline. yeah. And one thing that all these experts always say is people are most ill-prepared for the question, tell me about yourself. And that's where... What's the first thing you say? Tell me about yourself. How much time have you got? The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.